Day Skate with Scott McLaughlin and Andrew Razor Raycroft. Brought to you by Shaw's and Star Market. Perfecting the art of fresh on WEEI. Paul to Lindholm. Krejci. Lindholm scores! Marshawn, the head fake, and scores! Ha-ho! 2-0 Boston. Connor Garland off Besser's stick. Omark is going to try it, and he scores! Linus Omark, the odds-on Vezina Trophy winner, scores an empty net goal to seal this win. Sunday skate. An incredible moment Saturday night for the Bruins. Looks like they were just cruising along, you know, closing out a relatively uneventful 2-1 win. Had started really strong, kind of led up as the game went on. And then you get maybe the moment of the season, Lena Selmark scoring a goalie goal. Uh, I'm Scott McLaughlin here with Andrew Razor Raycroft, Bridget Prue behind the glass. You can call in. 617-779-7937. Text us at 37937. And since we've got a goalie, i got to ask, Razor, did you ever score a goal at any level? No, I didn't, and it's uh, it, it's heartbreaking. I think you saw Linus Allmark and, and how excited he was to score. Uh, it is the goalie's dream. I, I took a rip in juniors my last year and, and missed, similar to how Swayman missed earlier in the season, just off to the right side of the goal or, or facing the goal left from the goalie's point of view, the left side of the net just missed. Uh, but it, And it certainly didn't look the same as what Linus's did last night. This is clearing it three zones when I was 19 years old. But but I took a look and I never scored. And, and to this day, I, uh, I remember it and wish it had a went in. Yeah, they've had a couple close calls this year. You mentioned Swayman. Uh you know, looked like it was pretty good. Ended up hitting kind of the outside of the net. Allmark took a shot at the Winter Classic and, you know, missed by a good amount. But, yeah, they they have that green light. And, oh. and surprisingly, they have the green light even when they're only up one goal. You know, when you're up two, yeah, absolutely. But that one, you know, if Allmark takes a little bit more of a line drive swing... It's potentially like knocked down at the blue line, and Vancouver has a chance to tie it. Yeah, but they're they're forty five eight and five. Yeah, so who right. cares? <laughs> well, really, who cares? That's why they have the green light yeah. is because they've played so great, and and that's why no one else in the league is probably taking a rip at that point. You have to have elite puck skills, which which Linus does, which he showed last night. But you have to have elite puck skills to have the confidence to rip that if your play if your team's in the playoff hunt right now. A lot of if you're in the playoff hunt, you're taking that, you're moving it to your defenseman and hoping that it doesn't happen. So the the idea that they're forty five, eight and five also allows them to take those opportunities, take those rips, and I I can promise you we're gonna see them try and take another look. Swayman's gonna take a look and, and Allmark's gonna go again because it's fun and we saw how much fun it was last night. Well, no goalies ever scored two in a season. I know. So. Let's go for it. <laughs> can, another, can, what, this team might as well have another record. Yeah. Because it's ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, some history there. Uh, first ever goal by a Bruins goalie. Only the eighth goalie in NHL history to shoot the puck into the net. I believe five others have been credited with goals on, like, own goal type yeah, plays, usually count. during, like, a delayed penalty or something. 
Um, so yeah, those those ones don't really count. But yeah, first since Pekka Rene in twenty twenty, uh, only the third in the last twenty years to shoot it in. So uh, just an incredible moment, and like I said, really kind of added some excitement to what otherwise was going to be. All right, you got the new guys in. You'll take the win. You know, solid enough effort. But they really had kind of let up over the last 40 minutes. And, you know, it seemed to kind of just hit cruise control heading to the finish line. It, it was a pillow fight. And Billy and I were in the green room halfway through the third, falling asleep. We had a late night Thursday and just watch. What are we going to talk about for an hour at this point about this game? And you knew they were going to hold on. You knew they were going to find a way, maybe get a late one, put it away. But the the game was never in doubt and and i think we are going to see more of these types of games now once we get past the deadline once they see more 3 and 4 type games where they get a lead they take their foot off the gas against some of these teams that i mean vancouver's not very good and and, and there's going to be more teams after the deadline once they sell off that are out of it and mentally and physically out of it and 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 we're going to see more of those games but there's no question it was it was an absolute sleep fest until Linus buried it. Yeah. Like, you know, from my perspective, I'm trying to think about, like, what am I going to write about? Obviously, yeah. you can write about the new guys, Orlov and Hathaway, but, you know, they had, uh, you saw some encouraging things from them, but relatively quiet games. And There was, like, three interesting minutes at the end of the first, <laughs> and then not yeah. until the last 40 seconds or whatever it was. Oh, it's a great point. It literally was, a, yeah, for 57 minutes and 20 seconds were, like, bad hockey. And to your point, like, as media people, you have to write stories about, like, what else can we write about? And now we got a goalie goal, so now there's really nothing left on the table <laughs> for the next 25 games. It's it's amazing. I mean, what a team, what a story, what a regular season so far. We're going to get into the trades, what Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway bring, uh, you know, how we see the defense shaking out going forward. Lots of stuff to get into. As I said, you can call in. 617-779-7937. I see we already have Maria on the line. Maria will get to you in a minute. Uh, text 37937. But, yeah, obviously the biggest news of this week uh, before the goalie goal was the big trade. Don Sweeney goes out and gets Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway from the Washington Capitals, gives up Craig Smith, you know, obviously loved in the room, but... Just ha- had never really found his game this season. Um, and a bunch of draft picks. You know, ultimately it's a first, second, third, and fourth spread out over multiple years. I feel like this was this was exactly the trade that this team needed. It really seemed perfect. Kind of kill two birds with one stone. You know, we had been hearing about all these other names. You know, Gavrikov. It's like, okay, he, he probably could have helped, but didn't really seem ideal. You kind of wondered, you know... Was there something better out there other than, like, paying the insane price for Jacob Chikorin? You hear about Ivan Barbashev, and it's like, okay, I can see him in the bottom six, but he doesn't really defensively play the way that they want. You know, is he an ideal fit? Then you start hearing, like, the Capitals might be selling, and then you see Orlov and Hathaway as two veterans over 30, pending free agents, and it's like, man, like, Bruins should be in on those guys, right? Like, isn't that perfect? And sure enough, by Thursday night, they get him. Like, you know, we just started hearing about those guys probably Wednesday, Thursday night, they're Bruins. And, you know, I don't really care about the picks. Like, whatever. Uh, you're all in it this season. So 
you address two areas where now it's like, I think they're the best seven deep defensive group in the NHL. Hathaway on the fourth line. Now you look at just the the heaviness and, and the nasty that they have in their bottom six. At you know, adding Hathaway to guys like Nick Foligno and Trent Frederick. This really feels like the kind of move that you make for the playoffs and can potentially put an already great team over the top. There should not be. I don't want to hear about the 2015 draft and Don Sweeney ever again. <laughs> the way this guy has manipulated this roster through trade trade deadline deals with real roster players, not draft picks nine, eight years ago, real players, real NHL players. And to, to come through on this one, go off of the board, because as you said, yes, Gavrikov. Yeah, that'll work. And we chicken. Yeah, that'll work. Barbershev. Yeah, that'll work. But you now have Orlov and Hathaway, and it's like, oh, that's perfect. Like, exactly like you said, because we were like, well, is Gavrikov, is that a lateral move? Where does he fit? How does he, how is he different from the other guys they have now? Orlov's a Stanley Cup winner. That's first and foremost for me. The concern was when you're taking a Chikrin, a Gavrikov, guys that have never played in the Stanley Cup playoffs before, guys that have been on a losing team at least this season, if not last season and this season, how do they elevate their game? How do they perform when the lights are the brightest? And and we know what these two guys bring, especially Orlov on that back end. He was always a guy that was flashing red light when the Bruins played this guy. When he, they played them in the playoffs two years ago, it's like Orlov's can be a game breaker, and he can be a difference maker on the back end. And now you have him in your lineup. And with Hathaway... It's exactly what the Bruins needed, exactly what the fans have been clamoring for the last few years in sturdiness, size, nastiness, playing on the line, being hated by other teams. He brings all of that, and it's just a perfect fit for this group, and it'll be, it makes Montgomery's job much differ, diff, more difficult on the back end. We saw that already having to take Clifton out of line. I mean, that's the last thing that guy deserved. But you have a lot of communicating to do. You have to keep everybody on board. It's going to be part of the core group as well. Patrice is going to be have his finger on top of that. You can be sure of that. Marshawn as well. So I, they'll be able to handle it, but it's also not the easiest to to deal with. And that that that's what's going to be interesting how they how they work those guys into the lineup over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and Orlov, you have so much flexibility in how you can use him. Like he really feels like someone who could. Like, I can imagine him next to anyone on that decor fitting in because he can play the left or right side. He can move up. Like, if they put him next to McAvoy, I don't think he'd be out of place. Whereas, you know, someone like Gavrikov, I would have questions about whether he can really handle that role that high in a lineup on a contender. To your point, Orlov's done it. This is a guy who played over 24 minutes a game when the Caps won the Cup in 2018. And I know that's five years ago, but he's continued to play top pairing minutes. Ever since, he's continued to be very effective, and he's not going to have to, you know, he might have 22, 23-minute games, but the Bruins don't have to rely on him to do that because you have McAvoy and Lindholm already ahead of him. It's You can you can put him anyway. You can put him with McAvoy, put him with Carlo. He was with Forbert to start last night. If Forbert sits, he can go with Clifton. Like, so many options, and to your point, yeah, Montgomery's going to have to juggle that, and eventually as you get closer to the playoffs, you're going to want to settle on on something, have some consistency. But for now, it's like, try them everywhere and, you know, see see what clicks.
Yeah, it will be. It will be a, an absolute experiment over the next month. I think the what what it does is, and, and I'm knocking on wood in a big way, but I'm I'm under the assumption that if they play four rounds of Stanley Cup playoff hockey, they're going to lose a defenseman at some point. And to your point, he fits in any of those spots, even if it's a McAvoy, even if it's a Lindholm, he can eat those minutes. And, and you find you had that guy, and most other the Gavrikovs of the world weren't going to suffice in that situation. And the other thing is, is, so his ability to move throughout that entire D, and now if you have an injury, everybody slots in still in the same same area, same kind of situation. The other thing's going to be interesting come playoff time is it can be matchup-based. Depending on what kind of team you're playing, you can now set your your six defensemen up in certain ways because he can play left and right, because he can move up and down. He allows you to to set up depending on what kind of third line the New York Islanders or the Pittsburgh Penguins or whoever that first round matchup is you're up against. So it just so many options both on the back end on and up front now for the Bruins that they got. It's hard to imagine this historic team got better, but but they got more prepared for the playoffs. Yeah, and I think to your point about like you're probably going to lose a defenseman at some point. These are clearly moves made with past lessons in mind. Don Sweeney knows that. They've been burned by this in the past where whether it's a Grizzlick or a Carlo or even Lindholm and McAvoy missing games in the first round last year, he just knows, you know, someone's going down at some point and you have to have, if you really want to win the cup and not get exposed to the back end, you really have to have seven NHL defensemen you're comfortable with. And, you know, we thought going into the year that they might have that when you looked at guys like Jacob Zaborl and Mike Riley and the Anton Strahlman signing. And those guys might all factor in at some point as well. You know, you might have to go eight or nine deep at some point. But to to get that seventh guy that, you know, and by the way, Orlov's not going to be the seventh guy. He's he's too good. Like, he's third, fourth in the pecking order, I think. But, yeah, you're going to have to use everyone. And, and yes, if everyone's healthy, it's going to stink for, you know, a Clifton or Grizzlick or whoever comes out of the lineup, which we can get to. I know everyone kind of wants to guess at who's coming out of the lineup. But, yeah, it can be matchup dependent, it, you know, whatever. Like, just to have those options, though, is so critical. It's so critical, and and we'll see it. And yeah, it, I think it's I think it'll be I think it's still premature to to see to to pick. I think everyone's going to sit out these games at the end. And, and once we get into three and fours, I think there'll be time to to manage everybody, including Orlov. I mean, he's played a lot of minutes this season as well in Washington, so it, it won't be it. it I don't because of how good this team is and because their idea isn't just to play one round or try and survive one round of the playoffs. I think all of these guys on the back end understand that and and will be more than happy to give up a few minutes to to have this opportunity to win the cup. All right, we're off and running on Sunday skate. Call in 617-779-7937. Text us 37937. We'll hit the phones on when we come back, and we'll be right back after these commercials. Your home of the Sox. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Trending now on WEI and WEI.com. The Bruins beat the Vancouver Canucks 3-1 to last night. Dimitri Orlov and Garnett Hathaway in the lineup for the first time after the trade. 
Hampus Lindholm and Brad Marchand scored in the first, and Linus Allmark added an empty net goal, becoming the first goalie in Bruins history to score. Next, the Bees play back-to-back in Edmonton and Calgary Monday and Tuesday night. The Celtics got a win as well, 110-107. to Tatum hit a three with 1.3 seconds left to seal a win. Joel Embiid hit a three-quarter court shot. That almost done the Celtics and sent the game to overtime, but it came seconds after the final horn. So the Celtics beat Philadelphia. Next, they play the Knicks in New York, 7.30 p.m. tomorrow night. Stay tuned for Fitzy and Hart, 11 to 1 p.m. Then our Red Sox coverage begins at 1. Joe Castiglione and Will Fleming will be on the call for the Red Sox preseason tilt with Tampa Bay. WEI's Red Sox coverage is brought to you by Shaw's and Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Red Sox and the Red Sox Radio Network. I'm Bridget Pru, and that's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. You're listening to Sunday Skate on WEEI. It's, it's a group that, that knows what they need to do. They're fully committed, um, and they, you know, they're, they're playing for each guy in that room. And it's, it's nice to come in and, and be a part of it and, and feel welcomed already. It's, it's this group that was already really easy to mesh with, and, and every guy who's, who's reached out is, um, is so welcoming, and we're, we're really happy to be here. That is new Bruin Garnet Hathaway talking about his welcome to the team. Backed by Donnie Hathaway. I don't believe they're related. I'd be sh- I'd be stunned. Um, but yeah, so Hathaway and, and Orlov, they get out there late, pretty late Friday night uh, after the Bruins had already practiced in Vancouver and no morning skate on Saturday. So they just get thrown right in. And, you know, I think that's probably what, what guys want after a trade, you know, don't have time to overthink it. But big deal for the Bruins. Big win capped by the Elmar goal. And uh, we're going to get to the phone lines now. We've got Maria in Watertown. Good morning, Maria. Hey, good morning. Just um, a couple of uh, comments and then a question. So I don't know how you can't watch the reaction of those Bruins players on the bench after Elmar scored and not um, know and understand that there's something very unique and very special going on with this team um, this year. And I'm not in the, uh, in the uh, habit of making bold predictions, but um, I sense my women's intuition, call it that, senses that something um, awfully good is going to happen for this Bruins team this year. And then um, two comments I have is one related to um, Connor Clifton coming out of the lineup in that I hope that it is, more of a platooning type of situation between him and Matt Grizzlick or perhaps someone else because I do think that that young man has worked very, very hard on his game. He brings a level of physicality back there that I think is a bit lacking in Grizzlick's game. So, you know, while I know it can't be even Steven, I just hope it's more um, balanced than him perpetually coming out of the lineup. My um, next question relates to uh, pressure. Now that Don Sweeney has made the moves that he has made, does the pressure on this team ratchet up? Maybe not now during the course of the regular season, but when the playoffs um, begin, and how can that potentially, you know, impact the team? How does you know uh, how do leaders like Felino and Marchand and Bergeron? potentially 
deal with that um, for those less experienced players in the playoffs and, and for those younger players. So those are my thoughts. And uh, Linus Olmark for Vesna, lock it in. He, if he doesn't win, there's something rotten in the NHL. Thanks for the time, guys. All right. Thank you, Maria. Uh, yeah. So let's start with the, with the second part on, on pressure. Razor, is, is this team going to be feeling the pressure? And if so, how do, how do they deal with that? Well, they're going to feel the pressure. There's no question about that. Uh, you, any of these teams that have had historic seasons, the and, and and the others in the Eastern Conference, the I mean, you go through the top six: Boston, Carolina, New Jersey, Rangers, Tampa, Toronto. There, there's always a ton of pressure in that first round of the NHL playoffs. It's it's different. It ratchets up. Now, these guys have gone through it. They're going to be able to deal with it. I don't think this trade puts any more pressure on it because if they hadn't made this trade and still had 60 wins in the season, they were going to, you know, they're going to win the President's Trophy. There's going to be a ton of pressure on this, the last dance, the whole thing. So I don't think it's because of the trade. I think it's just in general. That's what this team is going to be dealing with because they've set themselves up for this. And and they've leaned into it all season. They recognize that they keep talking about it. Brad talked about it again this week. They know if if they do nothing in the playoffs, this entire regular season's gone to waste. And and that's extreme. I don't truly believe in that, but you have to enjoy the ride and you try and win every game that you play, but but there's no question they get it, they understand it and there's going to be a ton of pressure come playoff time. But once you get through that first round, it kind of goes away because you get into the rhythm of the playoffs. You get into the rhythm of of each series. So It'll be the first few games in the first round, and, and if they can breeze through the first round, if they can get a few wins in the first round early, then I think that starts to dissipate until you get to the Stanley Cup Finals again. Yeah, and they have embraced that. They've known that's what this season is from the start. Once Bergeron and Krejci come back, they knew the goal is to win the Stanley Cup. They're not coming back just to have a good time, you know, win a round or two. It was to win the Stanley Cup, and they had – the roster to do it. They had the mindset to do it. They have embraced it. They've talked about how, you know, they feel like this is a special year. They feel like they're doing something special. And, you know, as far as the pressure, yeah, there are going to be, be people who say uh, it's all for nothing if they don't win the cup. You know, Marshand did touch on that, but there's nothing you can do about that. Like, yeah, that's, that's it. You can only play the yeah, games that, like, are, that are on the schedule right now. Right, so let's but, not get ahead. Let's enjoy it, uh, and, and we'll deal with it. But, yes, there is going to be pressure. All the teams in the playoffs are going to feel a lot of pressure, and 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 at that point, they're, you, know, you hope that their experience, by adding another Stanley Cup winning player to their roster, can, can um, navigate this team through. Okay, how about, the, how about Maria's first question on... Clifton coming out versus, you know, Grizzlick or whoever else. I I think you're going to – I would be shocked if Clifton stays out for any prolonged period of time. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think he'll probably be right back in there Monday night. But, you know, we'll see. But I think there's going to have to be a rotation. They don't want anyone going cold. You know, it's not – these top seven guys they have now, none of them are going to get the Jacob Zaboral treatment of, <laughs> hey, you're just going to sit until or unless someone gets hurt. Uh, I agree completely, and and it's going to be they're going to be able to find ways to get. I would expect all, all of them out of the lineup. It's it's much harder McAvoy and Lindholm. Obviously, those guys want to play, and uh, but 
the the one thing I, I want to be I want to be careful of, and, and I think it's being overlooked a little bit at how good Matt Grizzlick's played this year. Yes, I know he look it, it, it's different, and and we'll go to the physicality, right? Everyone wants to go to physical defenseman, but you need guys that can move the puck. Matt Grizzlick's second in the National Hockey League at plus thirty six. We talked about how great Hampus Lindholm season's been. He's t- plus thirty eight. Grizzlick's only two behind him, and he missed 10 games to start the season when this team was racking up plus minuses. So I, we have to be careful in talking about Matt Grizzlick and he's the next guy out of the lineup. Him and McAvoy together are very good. Charlie McAvoy really likes playing with his buddy Matt Grizzlick, and, and it shows, and, and the stats back up how good Matt Grizzlick's been this season. So there's no question Connor Clifton's not going to sit out the next 15 games because Orlov's here now, and they're going to just sit him out. That is going to be a rotation, but I am. I don't necessarily want to jump to the fact that it has to be Grizzly. He's plus 36. It will be a matchup-based situation. Again, if you're playing a big, heavy team, maybe it's a little bit different, but uh, it's it's... So to answer the question in a long way, I don't think it's necessarily just automatically Grizzly and Clifton, but everybody's going to take a little rotation. Everyone's going to take some minutes off this next month. Yeah, and I think really what this trade does is if everyone is healthy going into the playoffs, they're they're going to be thrilled if Grizzly keeps this up and plays this way into the playoffs. And Jim Montgomery has actually asked this week about Grizzly's play, and he cited some of those stats that you just mentioned. Um, but even just beyond you know plus minus, it's scoring chances, it's Corsi, it's expected goals, all that stuff, mm-hmm. and said, you know, he's clearly a needle mover for us. And Montgomery said, you know, I understand where the questions come from because, yeah, he has gotten hurt in playoffs past, but he feels like he's playing in a way where he's been able to avoid taking hits. And if he keeps doing that into the playoffs, awesome. Then, then he's going to play and he's going to be a factor much for the positive. But I think what this trade does is it also means that they're not they're not porked if something happens to him, if he gets hit and hurt again, if his play can't hold up in the playoffs. Like they're not gonna be relying on Matt Grizzlick to whereas, hey, if Grizzlick's not at his best, like we're in trouble. Now you have another option so that, you know, if something happens like last year where it's all right, he can maybe play, but he's not really a hundred percent. Now you have something else. So they to the point I made earlier about, you know, um, learning from past lessons, they've learned that they want to have an insurance policy for Matt Grizzlick. Yeah, when he went down in 2019, that was a big problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, against the Blues, absolutely. And even last year against Carolina, like, they clearly, even when he was in the lineup, he wasn't close to 100%, and that hurt them. And and, and it's it's... And again, it's not just Grizzly, right? It's it's other any of the defensemen. If you lose any of them, you need more players. And you want a guy like Connor Clifton to be able to step in because you know he can step in in a bunch of different ways as well if we take it from last night's roster. So so yeah, it, it's it's not it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit of a carousel. Everyone's gonna get get some minutes taken off and, and it'll be okay. It will be okay, and I don't think anyone, including Connor Clifton's gonna take it as a slight that he's not in the lineup every single night. All right, John and Grafton has a thought on this as well, so let's go to John. John, what do you got? 
Hey, what's up, boys? Yeah, not, not to beat the dead horse about Clifton and, and Greslick and Orlov, but I just think it sent the wrong message last night because Don Sweeney was talking about, yeah, we wanted to upgrade and become a more physical team, get some more rough and tough leather guys, and then they put the finesse player in Orlov and keep Greslick, who's another finesse defenseman there, and take out the big hit in Connor Clifton. I mean, I think it just sent kind of the wrong message because Clifton's a guy, you know, you could be down 3 nothing in the game and he can lay a hit and wake up that Bruins bench, right? I think he brings more of those special intangibles than a guy like Greslick. So I think Greslick and Orlov are kind of more interchangeable and they should just platoon. And Clifton really should have a solidified fifth spot. Um, that's just my opinion. I don't know. You know, I know you guys talked at length about that. Um, and secondly, with the whole Don Sweeney thing, Razor, I don't think he's off the hook yet because if you look at this Bruins roster – Still a quarter of the team's Shirelli draft picks, you know. I mean, if you look at Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak, Krejci, um, and a few others, those are still Shirelli draft picks. So let's not give Don Sweeney a pass yet. He's done good adding those third, fourth, um, you know, secondary-type players. But, you know, if he drafted well, this team could have a bunch of more Pasternaks on it than it, than it has now. And I just want to know what you guys think about those two things. I'll I'll take the second half first. One, Bergeron and Krejci were not Shirelli draft picks, so you take those guys off the board. Two, neither was Marchand really. That was kind of that summer yeah. where he was up in the air. It Jeff, was Jeff Gordon, Gordon was sort though, of the interim who, guy who drafted me as well. So so no, it wasn't Shirelli. That's for sure. Uh, two, you can't have a team full of David Pasternak's. So I, I'm not not going to 2015. But just so everybody knows, if they had a drafted three NHL players at 2015, you couldn't keep them all because you can't sign them all for $10 million. You can't have a Connors. You can't have a Shabbat. You can't have a Barzell all in the same lineup. But anyways, we'll, we'll move on from that because it, 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 it doesn't matter. This team is what it is, and Don Sweeney put most of it together. Uh, it, with the defense, it, Orlov isn't, uh, is, is pretty rugged. Um, he's had over a thousand hits in his NHL career. He knocked out Kevin Miller in the playoffs a few years ago. This guy plays physical, so I, I, I don't put him on the same same level as a Grizzly. And and yeah, there is going to be times where that rough and tumble. I don't think it's sending a bad message because at the end of the day, Don Sweeney says one thing, but the coach is the one who actually sets the roster. Don Sweeney doesn't talk to Jim Montgomery about who's in the lineup, who's not in the lineup. That's that's up to the coach. It's very siloed in the NHL. It's very important to NHL teams, organizations, not to have that co-mingling because it doesn't work and, and it can be cause problems. And, and I promise you that's not happening in this situation. So, again, they, they, it's a feeling out process, and, and we're going to see it shake out. I don't think we should jump to the conclusion that because this one game, they're they're going a different way. It, they're going to pull together, and they're all going to be be tied in together as well. Yeah, you know, Sweeney, when he makes a trade, he might communicate to Montgomery like, hey, here's what I'm thinking with this deal. But like you said, he's not saying, he's not telling Montgomery where to play guys no. or when to play them or who to take out. That's all up to Montgomery. And Montgomery even said last night when he was asked about Clifton coming out, he was like, some of it is going to be matchup dependent, and in this case, he even mentioned Vancouver's not really an overly heavy team. So having Grizzly out there, you want a little more speed mobility. Like that makes sense. Um, you know, we'll see going forward. Like against more physical teams, Clifton probably will be in there, and maybe it is Grizzly who comes out. I also think you know Forbert might cycle out at some yeah. point. Like you love his penalty killing role, but if we're being honest about it, he's probably the weakest of these seven at five on five. So 
you know, like that can happen. And then other guys will get rest too, especially with so many back-to-backs down the stretch. So Montgomery's going to, you know, he's going to tweak. He's going to try different combinations. I think it's, I think it's just to jump in. I think it's really important not to look at this as a negative. I don't think that these players are looking at it as a negative. If you can get Forbert out of the lineup a couple games and not take slappers off the hands and the wrist and the shin pads and minimize some of those block shots that he... Because he's not changing his game. But if you can get him out of the lineup and take 15, 20 less block shots down the last month, that's going to pay off in the playoffs. If you can get some reps off of Matt Grizzlick and Connor Clifton hitting people, if you can take some reps off of these... Like it's all positive that you have this option. It's the players inside... Will are pros and can understand that and, and will not be taking this as as much of a negative as I think some people might anticipate or or interpret. Razor, I want to ask you because this is something we talked about on the skate pod this week when we reacted to the trades. But um, you know, it, it was kind of a shocking move uh, the fact that they were able to really add two good players and and fill the rest of the needs that they had. But when you think about Hathaway and Orlov, the one thing that you might think could be an issue would be the discipline um, in a playoff series. You don't want either of those guys to, you know, take a major penalty or get suspended. And in the past, they've been they've been players that could do that. Yes, I, I think, though, that you're going to take that risk with these players, especially Hathaway, I think, especially Hathaway. You're going to take that risk for what you're adding everywhere else. And and that's you. You know that you need that come playoff time, and you're more than happy to kill off that penalty that a Hathaway takes for being overly aggressive. Every team wants that and will be happy to do that. So there's an understanding of that, and and I'm sure if it gets a little out of hand, there'll be a talk about it. But you you do, you want to let those players, those stallions, run, and you let them go and, and rein it in if it's necessary. But until then. I, these guys have been in the league too long. If it's a first-year player or a guy who's never been in the Stanley Cup playoffs who doesn't know, that's when you can get concerned because maybe he's doing too much. Maybe it's a Nazem Kadri-type situation, and that can be detrimental. But with these guys, I think they've played enough both regular season playoffs to have the respect of the league and the players in the league to know what that line is. Yeah, and to put it in a little perspective, Hathaway has actually been suspended once in his career and it was for spitting, which is obviously a very, <laughs> it's obviously a very stupid and gross thing yeah. to do. How but, about licking? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I was going to leave that one alone. <laughs> I would say any any saliva based offense, yeah, just that's just right. don't do it. No. Um, but it wasn't for a hit from behind or a hit to the head. Uh, we have seen him throw a couple of questionable hits against the Bruins, in particular. He uh, injured Jared Tenorti on one where it was kind of a late turn by Tenorti, and he finished hard. Another, he hits Marshan kind of from behind in the corner as Marshan's already going down, and we, we thought Marshan was going to miss some time. Yeah, that was a scary one. That was, that, that he, was he, last he came up season. holding his shoulder, yeah. Yeah, we thought he was going to miss a little bit of time, and then amazingly he plays the next game. <laughs> um, so he's he's gone up to the line, but at least in the eyes of the league, really hasn't crossed it on hits. Uh, Orloff has also been suspended twice, but once was very early in his career. It was like 10 years ago. So I almost kind of just write that one off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wouldn't, I guess I would say like I'm not any more worried about them than I am AJ Greer or Greer, Marchand. Yeah. McAvoy got suspended once. Like anyone who's throwing hits, there's that chance that you come up high and cross a line. But those guys seem to have 
pretty solid idea of mm-hmm. where the line is. They they are in the thirties. They've been around. They've been through playoff runs. So, uh, you know, yeah, you'll you'll live with that because you want the Bruins have seen what other teams' forechecks can do to them. They want a guy like Hathaway. Don Sweeney used the word cause anxiety on yeah. the forecheck. Like that's exactly it. You want someone that opposing defensemen have to think about. And now you have a few of them with with Hathaway, Felino, Frederick, Greer if he's in there. Uh, you know, they have that factor now that they've lacked a little bit in the past. Yeah, the the anxiety word is perfect, and that's you want the defense looking over the shoulder. You want them to know when the fourth line's out there, and I think we saw it last night just a little bit. Their ability to to cause icings that is such a valuable asset for that defenseman to go back and rush a pass, create an icing. Patrice Bergeron jumps over the boards, and now you have Bergeron against the fourth line or the third line of the other team able to run a play out, a set play. And create they create a lot of offense off the faceoffs last night, and and some of it was because the fourth line was able to create icings, and that's a huge valuable part. And it's because of that anxiety that defensemen and and forwards rush plays to create those icings. All right, one segment to go here on Sunday skate. You can still join us six one seven 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 nine seven nine three seven. Text in three seven ninety three seven. We'll be back with more after this. Now, more of the guys, Scott McLaughlin and Andrew Razor Raycroft. It's Sunday Skate on WEEI. Obviously, playing against Garnet, you hate to play against them, which is usually the guys you love to have on your team. You know, Orlov, we had a playoff series against those guys, and I know how good of a player he is as well. I mean, so I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm blown away that we could get a player of his magnitude on this team with what we already have. I think it, it, it shows that. You know, we're we're trying to do something special here, and you know, those you get those those players, and I think it just you know, gives everybody in here a little confidence of, of the group that we have, and now we've added more depth and more uh, you know great players to this team. It's uh, it's exciting. That was Nick Felino talking about new teammates Garnet Hathaway and Dmitry Orlov. Hathaway, not Hathaway, not not the. Not the '90s dance pop group made famous by Night at the Roxbury. I told I told Scott he had to explain this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a great poll. I heard I heard Razor and Jaffe talking about that uh, on Nesson last night too. Well, we did. We, we initially early on we were trying to find things that we got to the Roxy and lots <laughs> of talk of that as well. Uh, Razor, we've kind of buried the lead because for uh, there's all this talk about the Bruins trading a goalie, and we thought it was insane. Uh-huh. And then they actually did trade a goalie. There they, we go. They, they traded Wiggy was a, right. Traded away Keith Kincaid, <laughs> highest save percentage on the team. That's it. He was. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's a big win that he got in Buffalo for this group. And uh, his name won't go on the cup, I guess, but but certainly will be remembered as as one and all all time as a Boston Bruin. Yeah. Obviously, we're not going to get too much into that. It's a, it's a very minor deal to me. The, like the. Significance of it, though, is that in their eyes, Brendan Bussey mm-hmm. and or Kyle Kaiser had passed Kincaid on the organizational depth chart. One of them would be the next guy up if, God forbid, something did happen to Alamarco Swayman. Yeah, they feel comfortable having Bussey come up um, if necessary or be that third goalie. And rightly so. He's been he's been great all season. I know that kid really well. I've been around him the last few summers. He's an awesome guy, big goalie, and is developing at the pro level. And the other thing it does... And I think it's important too, really quickly, this is really minuscule to what's going on here, but 
adding Shane Bowers, an AHL veteran, they have a good team down there. And they want to go on a run with the young kids down there. Get those guys in playoff games and playoff situations down the minors. That's very important for prospects and for guys coming up. And I think it, we hear a lot, again, oh, they don't have any guys. They have a really good team down there that can get better and can get used to playoff hockey. And as long as they're playing hockey, playing playoff hockey down there and they're playing playoff hockey here, the organization's getting much better. Plus, Shane Bowers went to BU, so anytime you're getting a Terrier, you win the yeah, trade. Yeah, of course. Another BU <laughs> connection. I can't get enough of those guys in this organization. We'll hear about that, too. All right, so let's get to potentially some some much bigger trades uh, because the rest of the Eastern Conference, they see the Bruins get better. They're still trying to catch them. Uh, we've already seen Rangers get Vladimir Tarasenko. Maple Leafs got Ryan O'Reilly. Sounds like the Rangers might still get Patrick Kane. It seems like they're... They've cleared some cap space. He wants to go there. They're yeah, I think Patrick towards... Kane's moved his way there. No yeah. matter a Taylor Hall situation where he's not going anywhere else. He he has the capital in Chicago to to call a shot, and and New York is that, and and they're making making that happen by the sounds of it. There's going to be a Timo Meyer trade at some point. It certainly seems like uh, Frank Saravelli of Daily Faceoff reported this morning that Hurricanes are out on Meyer, so it seems like maybe. New Jersey might be the front runner or maybe someone else swoops in. But, you know, I feel like we overlook the Devils a lot. Like they kind of get <laughs> they kind of get left as like the sixth team out of these top 6 in the East. But man, if they had Timo Meyer, like they're they're right there too. So what looking around the rest of the Eastern Conference, what do we think this last week before the trade deadline on Friday is going to look like? And, and just back to on that New Jersey Story, they're only three points behind Carolina. Yeah, I look, I you completely overlook. They're now they're now eight points clear of the Rangers, so they've got home ice locked up against the New York Rangers in the first round, and they're they're challenging Carolina. So they're they're far from done. That's been impressive how they had that lull and were able to to come back from that and really get stronger. And if they do get Timo Meyer, who's more of a veteran player, who that's who you're. That's where you're kind of questioning Jersey because they have so many young guys and their goaltending's young. But you get another uh, an Andre Palat and then a Timo Meyer. Those are two veteran playoff type guys that that can make your team much better and give you a, a jump. So that other side, I mean, both sides. It's crazy. Toronto, Tampa, New Jersey, and the Rangers are locked in, and they're all loading up. Vasilevsky, a forty-five save shutout last night again in Detroit. You, you're as a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, you're watching that saying. That is so scary to have that guy to be going up against that guy in the first round is is menacing and it, it's each team's loading up. They're not they're not shying away from it. They're they're leaning into it and Carolina is the big one now because the, you, you assume that they were going to find a way to get Meyer because of all the cap space that they have. If they don't get him, that talent really drops off. And now you really look at what the other teams have done and how much better they've gotten for that playoff run that that Carolina seems a little susceptible and you have to imagine they're pounding the lines right now to find something. Yeah. It feels like the Hurricanes have to do something pretty big and it's it's surprising that they're not going to the finish line of Meyer. It's it was kind of surprising they weren't more in on Bo Horvat. Like I felt like either one of those guys would have been a perfect fit for them. Especially because last year they had some cap space. They didn't do a ton. They just had Max Domi, and it ended up not being enough. They got knocked out in the second round. You would think they'd be doing something big. Um, you know, the Lightning haven't made a move yet. We know they're always active. You know 
something's coming for them. By the way, they had been linked to to Hathaway when it first popped up that he was available, and at the time I was like, "Ah, oh, that like that'd be such a lightning trade yeah. deadline move, like that perfect bottom six guy." So you know, great for the Bruins to get him instead. Um, you know, the Rangers. Yeah, the, if they had Kane, yeah, all the star power in the world, I do think that team still has question marks on defense. They've they've they can be exposed. They got. You know, Capitals uh, generated a lot of chances against them yesterday, and Ryan Lindgren got hurt in that game, which I haven't seen an update, but that could be big if he misses any time. You talk, when you see, look, think of the Rangers, it's it's power player bust, and their yeah. power play is electric, and Shesterkin's electric, but you have a lot of those grit issues, those grit questions, and, and again... The beauty of it all with those teams is you're not going to see them till the third round. And that's what sets you up in that first position uh, in the Atlantic. You don't have to see any of those teams. They get to beat each other for two rounds. And how does New, how do the Rangers get through Carolina without grit on the back end? And I know they did last season, but it, it it's different this year. And, and that'll be it'll be fascinating to see how that because that's the big question mark for the Rangers. Yeah, you just hope Igor Shesterkin stands on his head. Basically, that's, that's, that, the, that's, plan. that's, that's the plan, and, and that's not happening right now. So you, can he turn his game around here in the next few weeks? All right, but before we wrap up here, do you think the Bruins do anything else? Don Sweeney said they're not going to be overly aggressive, but do you think they, they could have another move coming? I They have room to do it. They've given themselves the flexibility to do it. I, it there'll be teams calling. There'll be teams calling Don Sweeney on, hey, what do you think of this guy? And and I think you, if you're, if you are gonna pick something, I guess you look at another guy up front, maybe another right shot winger um, like Hathaway, and and can you improve? There there might be a guy, you know, the Barbashev of the world, the Bukestead of the worlds. Those guys are still out there. If no one really makes a huge pitch or a huge run, and you can get them for a second or a third round pick in the next few few years, then then you make that run. So it's not necessary now, but I wouldn't be shocked if they found a way to get just a little bit more depth at this point. Yeah, I agree. And it's, you know, it's a nice situation to be in where, hey, if the right deal's out there, you can do it. They actually freed up some cap space yeah. with this pass move. Now, you know, some of it goes back when you activate NOSEC off long-term IR, but they haven't put themselves in like any more cap jail or anything by making the move they made this week. So no, and if if they can if they don't use it, they can use it towards bonuses, which yeah. will help the organization down the line. So it's not like lost money, even if they don't use it. So they're again, it's very flexible. They're they're in a great spot. All right, that's going to do it for this week of Sunday Skate. Fitzy and Hart coming up next. Lot to cover on the Boston sports and even beyond the Bruins. The great great Celtics win. You had a. A Red Sox walk-off pitch clock violation. That was exciting. <laughs> and, uh, I we'll love be, the pitch clock. Yeah, love we'll be it. back next week at 10 a.m.